Marini's Media. Hello, is it EFL you're looking for? Today, Reading and Cardiff's endless love of playing one another um, ends on pens. Stuart McCall is once, twice, three times a Bradford manager. In non-Richie pun-related news, Lee Johnson tells us about his rocking Robins and paying tribute to your recently deceased dad in the form of a touching closed base message. That's a booking. This is the Totally Football League show. Yes, hello again, friend. I'm Matt Davis-Adams, joined by my dynamic duo of EFL aficionados. First up, a senior hardware systems engineer with 25 years' experience and a broad avionics background across FMS subsystems, mission systems and sensors, cockpit systems integration and flight control. Good morning, Captain Adrian Clark. <laughs> morning, Skipper. <laughs> and with Adrian is Sam Parkin. Uh, Sam, can you believe it's 18 years ago this weekend, and to put that into context, Luke Matheson wasn't born yet, since you plundered an 88-minute equaliser for Northampton against the team you support, QPR. How did that feel? Well, I desperately needed a goal because I'd been rancid that season. Uh, two nil down, I believe it was. Yeah, just outside the six-yard box, just slid it home and then had a night out in Leicester. Nice. Okay. Any celebration? Uh, yeah, big goal for me. Big goal for me, getting pelters probably from three stands of six fields at that stage. All right. <laughs> Let's say that you had scored like 10 in a row and everybody loved you. Would you have celebrated scoring against the team that you support in that situation? Did yeah. it even cross your mind? Uh it didn't for me. It didn't for me, but just quickly, I did captain Swindon Town at QPR once. Andy King gave me the armband the second season of my career there when we got to the playoffs, and it was too much for me. To be honest, it was too emotional playing at Loftus Road and, and having the armband. And I, I hardly had a kick. I mean, yeah, I mean, it would have been the dream to play for QPR, but that was probably as good as it got. You know, that was as close as I got. Yeah, you know, the first time I commentated on Chelsea v Forest, it was too much for me. It was the worst commentary <laughs> I've ever done. And it was too much for Forest as well. They were 4-0 down after 20 minutes. Uh, Clark, have you ever not celebrated a goal? <laughs> uh, I used to often not celebrate. Yeah, the, the better the goal, the less I'd celebrate. That was, that was, how, that was my sort of r- rule. But no, I never, never had an emotional involvement. I, I, once I played for a team, that, that was that. I, I wouldn't have been bothered. But no, if I scored a good goal then I'd just stand there and raise the finger. Um, Abby likes to Abby likes to poke her, speaking of raising the finger. She's just said Margate never played Arsenal. <laughs> That's outrageous. <laughs> uh, Joe Crilly is missing from our lineup. Uh, he's presumed still in Miami. I heard the rainstorms ain't nothing to mess with, to be fair. Uh, let's begin today by looking back on Tuesday night's FA Cup action and the consequences thereof. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. So we're going to go through these in alphabetical order because that's the way I've written them. Birmingham 2, Coventry 2. This is Andrews Derby. Birmingham winning it 4-1 on pens to go to Leicester for a night out with Sam in <laughs> round five. Uh, Birmingham equalised in stoppage time to take it to extra time, then again in stoppage time in extra time. Bella now. Couple of step overs moving towards the penalty area, fires it across goal and into the net. I don't know whether that was a shot or a cross, but it's come off the inside of the post and in. And once again, Birmingham City have equalised to the death. Uh, have they got any chance away to Leicester? Uh, You'd say they no. probably had more chance if Leicester had made the EFL Cup final. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd fancy Leicester to, to swap them aside if I'm being. Brutally honest, it, it was a fluky progression for them because the, the equaliser at the end of 
extra time was a cross. It went straight in from Bella. And, uh, yeah, Coventry, very hard done by. They created stacks of chances in the game. And I think even though they went out here, Coventry will have taken so much heart from this. Okay, Birmingham rested one or two, but they proved they can mix it with a championship team. So um, more pluses, I'd say, for Cov than for Birmingham. Uh, Cardiff 3, Reading 3. Reading win it 4-1 on pens. They get to host Sheffield United. Their third meeting in nine days. All have ended as draws after 90, or in this case, 120 minutes. Reading 2-0 down in the 90, then trailed four minutes from the end of extra time until Yaku Mate forced the shootout, scoring for the third time in as many matches against Cardiff. Sam Neil Harris will be metaphorically kicking himself, maybe literally kicking some of his players. They kind of threw this one away. It's the theme at the moment. They can't keep hold of leads. That said, they've recovered points from losing positions so many times as well this season. 16th draw in all competitions. It's 46% of all matches. I mean, incredible numbers. I think the thing I took from last night, yes, they threw away the lead twice, Cardiff, from very good positions. Aidan Flint taking the first penalty for Cardiff last night in the shootout and uh, just felt with some of the attacking players they had on the pitch, that was a very strange decision. Maybe the player's decision rather than Neil Harris. But yeah, I mean, obviously a poor outcome for them. Mark Bowen deserves enormous credit because uh, he made two changes in terms of personnel at halftime and also changed the system. So a good victory for them. Yeah, Cardiff didn't didn't deserve to go through, not for the fans. I mean, no no one turned up. What's that all about? I think they gave the Reading fans stick for the amount that turned up at the Madstad for the first game. So they got their own back last night. That was was an embarrassment, wasn't it, that crowd? Was it 4,000? I think, yeah, around 4,000. Very poor. Yeah. Derby beat Northampton (laughs) 4-2 to set up the Wayne Rooney Derby where Derby will play Man United. Liverpool, if you're listening, Jurgen Klopp, they won. They beat Shrewsbury by a goal to nil. That was Roshan Williams who got it. Last of Tuesday's ties, Clarkie saw Oxford go really close against Newcastle before losing 3-2 after extra time. Mm. Uh, we'll talk about Oxford and their game at the, at the weekend uh, sure, shortly. They've made some money from this cup tie. Given the players that they lost last week, it'd be nice to see some of it invested back into the squad in the summer. Yeah, they've got to, haven't they? I think Carl Robinson will be knocking on the door, that is for sure, to to replace the two guys they've lost. I think they showed a lot of heart across the, across the two games against Newcastle United. 20 shots last night. 20 shots against a Premier League team. If you're a third-tier team, it's, it's pretty impressive. It shows that they've got courage to go out there and express themselves in contrast, really, with Shrewsbury, who didn't have a shot on target apart from the disallowed goal at Anfield. I think that will that will rankle a bit with them. There's a missed opportunity for, for Shrewsbury. But no, Oxford, look, it's a hammer blow, losing uh, Fosu and, and the other guy, Baptiste. So take it on the chin, probably consolidate in, in League One and then go for it. go for it in the summer. Some Newcastle fans, well, one certainly enjoyed the winner more than any others. I'm sure you've seen it on the Twitter sphere. Uh, it was a bit cocky, that's all we can say about it. EFL trophy-wise, it's going to be Newport against Salford. Newport beat the Leicester under-23s. And the other semi-final will be Portsmouth against Exeter. So Pompey going for it again. Let's get on to transfers and some of those last-minute shopping trips undertaken in the EFL last week. Uh, we can't go through them all because we haven't got all day and there might be another bomb scare in this part of London. Transfer winners and losers we're going to go for. Winners, I want to start, Clarkie, with Peterborough, which sounds odd in, in a way because they lost Madison, but they held on to Tony and they've got Smoddix and Jack Taylor in on loan. Yeah, they've revamped their whole midfield, Peterborough, but 
probably going to talk about them a little bit later on in the show in, in more detail. But they've got a whole new midfield brought in in the window. Smodix has been a star. I mean, talk about hit the ground running in that number 10 role, replacing Marcus Madison. And you've got Reese Brown and Jack Taylor as the other two midfielders. And, and it's just given Posh a new lease of life at just the right time. And they've also got rid of Madison, who by all accounts was a slightly divisive character. So win-win for, for, for Peterborough, yeah. Sam, well done for not laughing at the infectious STD gag <laughs> on the weekend. Um, it's been a good week for you, mainly Swindon related. They are a transfer window winner, surely your old boys. Oh yeah, it's been incredible. And then to see the starting lineup come out on Saturday and Richie Wellens has been been able to um, get them all into the lineup, including Hallam Hope, who has obviously started the fantastically well got two goals for Carlisle I think in 23 odd games got two in three games for Richie Wellens we haven't even really spoke about Jayasimi on this show at all he's playing as a 10 at the moment had a brilliant spell on loan at Grimsby I saw him first on loan from from Norwich very talented player arguably their informed player at the moment we've hardly mentioned him so now they've got a ridiculous abundance of talent going forward Um, yeah he probably wanted to get one more centre half in but they're in a fantastic position to, to, to go all the way and, and potentially be champions. Uh, Ravel Morrison to Middlesbrough, Adrian. Nobody ever talks about how many rounds you can buy in the last chance saloon, but he's got to be approaching <laughs> last orders in there, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, look, talented players will always find a home and he, there's no doubt about his talent. But yeah, you, you're probably right. He needs to play, doesn't he? I think it was always a bit of a jump, really, from, from Ostersons to Sheffield United, especially playing for a manager that has such a settled midfield. He never changes it, does he? I know Sander Burge came in at the weekend, but that was pretty too big a jump. He should get his opportunities at Middlesbrough, and I hope he does it. I hope he does it. I hope, we know that he's capable of the spectacular, but can he fit in with the with the work ethic that, that managers need at any level of the game, not just in the, the Premier League or the, or the Championship? So, yeah, watch this space, but look, no one would be more pleased than me. To see, him, to see him shine there. Mm. Uh, in terms of losers, Anthony Robinson, I mean, it, it's fine. <laughs> That's a I'm sure there's plenty of other seven-time European Cup slash Champions League winners out there scouting the lower reaches of the Championship. <laughs> so somebody else will come in for him, if not AC Milan. Yeah, it's a real shame for him. Paul Cook was um, very much on the same page as, it, as his player, saying that he was devastated for, for the lad. And he obviously wasn't included, I don't think, at the weekend. He was in so. the away end. Was he? Mm. So, um, yeah, I mean, he'll be fine. He'll get himself a good, a good move. But, yeah, uh, a real blow. Yeah, and I, I thought on Ravel Morrison was one I'd highlighted. He's not played any football either, Adrian, in the last mm. 12 months. He's played 12 minutes for uh, Sheffield United this season at, against Leicester, a couple of 90 minutes in the Cup, and just five appearances for Ostersons. And, yeah, I mean, when I think of Ravel Morrison, I mm. still think of that goal for West Ham at Tottenham. Yeah. And that is, <laughs> you know, back at the old White Hart Lane, a considerable amount of seasons ago, just think with a young manager, not to say Chris Wilder isn't a fantastic uh, manager and coach, but just think under Jonathan Woodgate, the sounds, the noises have been good out of Sheffield tonight in terms of his training, his work ethic and his ability. Um, I've got a good feeling about that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, other losers, uh, that red-haired dude asks, Hull lost Krasicki and Bowen on deadline day. Is that their season over already? I mean, Hull supporters with interfering autocorrects must be saying ducking Hull. About this, it's 22 of their 42 league goals. We, we know that the owners have sort of wanted out for a while and they've cashed in, which in a way is understandable. I'm sure Bowen was, you know, looking to go to a Premier League club as well, but 
if you're Grant McCann, come the morning after the transfer window, you're thinking, mm. I've just had the rug pulled completely. Yeah, I, I think they would have seen it coming, though, because they were trying to tie down Bowen to a deal, weren't they? So they, they did try to keep him. Once it became clear that Jared and who can blame him, wanted the big move, then they had to cash in. It, it, Marcus Madison is is a reasonable acquisition. One or two others come in, but yeah, let's playoff dreams have gone, haven't they? Not not that I think they would have made it anyway. Uh, they'll be looking over their shoulders. Can they cling on and avoid the relegation battle? I think they probably can. It's just a sign of the, the struggling finances. I mean, you just got to look at the crowds at Hull at the moment. It's not, even with Grzycki and Bowen, two, two of the most exciting players in the championship, it's still a half-empty stadium, still got the owners that don't really seem interested in, in sticking around or putting their money in. So, so yeah, not, not great times at Hull. For McCann, he's just got to press the reset button and go again, hasn't he? Mm. All right, transfer speculation. So January, and it's not January anymore. It's February. February in the championship is what we're focusing on in the next part of the show. I say next. I mean now. Headlines in the championship. How did Leeds lose to Wigan? Because Pablo Hernandez scored an own goal is the answer. Despite their 19 shots on goal, nothing was going in. And now West Brom back top of the league because they beat Luton at the weekend. Their first win in 2020 in the championship. In the playoff picture, Brentford, Bristol City and Fulham won as Forest lost, meaning just two points separate third and six. Basically, just ignore everything we said last week. Speaking of which, Stoke are just two points above the drop zone after Philip Koku and Derby bantered off Clarkey. <laughs> Charlton's 2-1 whenever Barnsley sees them four points clear of the drop. The bottom three, Luton, Barnsley and Wigan. In short, it's tight, like a 2020 replica shirt on any normal-sized adult. And we'll get to Leeds shortly... But Sam, we should give Wigan some love. They've, they've had a hell of a week. Have you seen enough from them to make you think they might be able to, to beat the drop? I think it's going to be very difficult still. Uh, you look at the teams that are just above the drop zone. Charlton having kept hold of Lyle Taylor, the way that Huddersfield and Stoke City have improved, I think it's going to be a big struggle for that bottom three to get above any of those teams I've just mentioned. That said... They've done a number over Leeds, two consecutive seasons now at Ellen Road. Some outstanding defensive performances. The the two centre-halves, Kipre and uh, Dunkley, absolutely brilliant. Carl Naismith as well, I think, got plaudits for his performance. So another brilliant victory, but but once again, just Groundhog Day, as Colin Murray and Dean Ashton discussed at the weekend from, from Leeds United. I mean, how many times are we going to say it? But... We know that Marcelo Bielsa has his way of playing. We know that he wasn't going to throw his new signing straight into the fray without having the relevant training and, um, you know, again, wasteful in front of goal. So, um, yeah, credit Wigan, but but Leeds United, unbelievable that it happened again. Derby-wise, Clarkie, I guess there's a potential X factor hanging over them in, in terms of any points deduction, which maybe would come their way because of these financial breaches like like this Newcastle fan are you still wanting to get your, your cocky out <laughs> <laughs> very good I like that um no I don't take back what I said I don't, I don't, I don't rate Philip Cocker I've seen, I've seen enough of him all season to to still have question marks about some of his tactical decision making but credit where it's due Derby were brilliant in, in the game last weekend the movement was fantastic the goals were amazing weren't they the standard of the finishing and, and look if Derby continues to play like that then then absolutely I'll, I'll I'll eat my words and and they'll be they'll be up there won't they towards the end of the season but until they start playing like that away from home as well as at home then 
then I think you have, you have to question what's going on there. But no, it was, it was a brilliant performance. And, and, and obviously they backed it up by scoring four against Northampton in the Cup as well. So, so a bit of egg on my face this morning, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take it. Uh, Martin Daniels has tweeted at the Totally Show to ask, based on January window activity or lack of, predict the three sides being promoted from each division. We'll get to Leagues 1 and 2 in good time. So let's just go championships. We'll we'll throw in the downs too, although I think, Sam, you've said that it's the bottom three as is at the moment. And and I think, Adrian, we're probably actually in agreement with that unless Stoke can no, unless the, Stoke fall off a cliff again. Wigan, Barnsley, Luton and Barnsley for sure. Barnsley didn't bring in anyone with championship experience in January. Not a clever move, in my opinion. So, so I think it's curtains for them. Wigan are the only ones with, with hope, but I think they'll go. Okay, how about who's going up? You don't have to give an order. But, uh, just, uh, uh, Leeds and West Brom. I, I've still got confidence, even though Leeds are a one step forward, one step back kind of team at the moment. But I still think they're the best two sides in the division. It's who's going to go up via the playoffs. I've got Brentford and Fulham written down here. I'm going to side with Brentford because they're defensively stronger. Sam, any deviation in those three? No, I, I can't disagree that it's going to be three from those four in, in my mind. I haven't been overly impressed with Fulham when I've seen them and, and obviously you're liable, liable to be very entertained when you go to Griffin Park. So for that reason alone and nothing more scientific, <laughs> I'm going to agree with Adrian, but maybe Brentford could force their way into the automatic reckoning and, and Leeds United... I know this would scare their natives, but maybe do it through the playoffs this year. Uh, in terms of playoffs, Lucas Cashbeast, not his real name, asks, can Blackburn sneak into playoff contention? Is Mowbray shrewd enough or should they have bolstered the front line? You can't disagree with that. I think they probably needed to get some more goals into the team. Armstrong's been very good in recent weeks, but without Bradley Dack, I, I think it would be difficult for them to force their way. And I think, it's a young team as well. I know Downing's had a very good season playing a, a different role this year, but I don't think there's enough experience, in my opinion. Um, but in terms of a, a squad that he's built, young players, good con- consistency this season from a number of them, I think they're certainly ones to watch next season. Maybe Swansea is another team to, to break into the playoffs late on? Mm, no, I'm not I'm not fancying Swansea. I, th- I think they're better, better all-round teams ahead of them. I'd, I'd say that there was... Probably the same argument, really. A slight, slight lack of experience. You've got a lot of young guys there playing their first experiences of first team football in the, in the championship. Yeah, look, there's a lot to like about Swansea the way they go about their football. But I think looking at the competition they face, there are there are stronger sides around. But yeah, I'm, I'm with Sam on, on Blackburn, doing great with the resources. But I don't understand why they didn't didn't try and bring someone in for Bradley Dack. Okay, well, there are some gigantic games this weekend. Friday night football returns as the cities of Bristol and Birmingham square off. We could talk about it amongst ourselves, or we could speak to Lee Johnson, Bristol City manager. Let's do that. Lee, what a run you're on. Four wins in a row in the championship. No goals conceded after Saturday's success at QPR. First time as a club you've had such a run in 30 years. What's been the key? I think good defending, first and foremost, um, not only from the back four and the goalkeeper, but right from the front. We have sort of needed to finally tune our defensive stuff after three poor goals conceded at Charlton. We made a, a conscious decision, really, to really focus in on that defensive work, and it's been good. 
I think we've got a really good group in terms of that they really do try and implement the coaching and the sessions that we put on. But of course, you're always at the mercy of your players and uh, the application and consistency of the work has been outstanding. And inevitably, we have got that little bit of quality to, to go and nick a goal or, or, or score when required. You've spoken about, about your players there. You've said that they need to live like brothers for the last spell of the season. How do you as the manager foster that kind of spirit? I think uh, we work really hard on that, whether that be sort of implementing um, a tactical philosophy, but also a social philosophy that, that falls off the back of that. And just to give you an example, we allowed them to have a night out after the QPR game where it was all arranged, win, lose or draw because we felt it was important for the new players to go and integrate and, and understand what the personalities are like off the pitch as well as on the pitch. So it's got to be at the right time and it's got to be focused, but all these little team spirit, little bonding trips that, that we try and add into our programme obviously become very important because um, we do need to be able to trust each other on the pitch. And uh, it's a very, very competitive league, the Championship, and often the margins are so fine um, that if you if you go to bed knowing that your mate sort of in the team next to you is a quality player and you can trust him with your life, then there's a good chance of success on the day. Mm. And let's get to those new faces. Then busy end to the transfer window for you. Incomings wise, you brought in Nicky Wells from Burnley. Uh, came off the bench at Rangers. Obviously, 13 goals for them in the Championship this season. Clearly, a coup and a huge boost to get him into your squad. Was it an easy sell to the player and to Burnley that Bristol City was the right place for him to come? Um, I think it was an easy sell to Burnley because they were very keen on on Josh Brownhill as well. Um, I think that definitely played a part of it. I don't think we would have sold Josh without the um, sort of caveat of being able to bring in Naki Wells. I think that Naki is a proven goal scorer, obviously, in division, but he's more than just that. He works hard. He's got a good touch. He's got good movement. And I think he complements the strikers that we, we've got at the football club this season. Obviously, Andy Vyman's movement um, and, and Naki's movement, I think, will work well together. We've got Famara Jeju that's sort of that bit more of a target man and you've got the Quinn and Phillips type movement off the back of that. And then obviously Benikafobi, if we uh, if we manage to catch him for the last month, six weeks of the season as well, you could see them two pairing up quite nicely as well. So I think that it's not offensive in terms of any particular individual going to lose their place and we're very versatile in the, the hat of the team, as we'd call it, up the top in that front four. As well as Wells, you've got Philip Benkovic and Marcus Henriksen in on loan. They players you've been tracking for a while. What What is it that you like about them? Yeah, certainly Philip Benkovic is one that we've been looking to do for a while, both in the summer and, and now in this window. And we're delighted um, to be able to bring him in. Grateful to Leicester um, for allowing us and entrusting us with his development. Um, but also we expect him to be able to help us sort of um, find our ambition and be very successful on the pitch. I think with Marcus was a bit of a, a different situation. Obviously, we knew him and knew him well from playing against him in the past as captain of Hull. Um, and obviously, his uh, contract situation at Hull has played a part in him not playing any football matches this year. But we knew we'd done the research on him. In fact, that we knew he was fit. He was training with Rosenborg. And uh, again, a lot of due diligence going into the physical condition of the player. And and we know he's a good player anyway. So we felt after losing Brownhill, 
it was the right thing to do just to add that different quality to our midfield and certainly gives us that height and physicality as well as being a calm and composed footballer. So it's Birmingham under the Friday night lights at Ashton Gate coming up this weekend. You go third within a couple of points of the top two if you win. It's a good opportunity to put pressure on the teams around you getting to play first, I guess. Every game's an opportunity for sure. And we want to continue the run. And the boys are in good form. They're confident. But Birmingham are a very good side and they're, they're extremely competitive in this division, as all clubs are. And you have to take care of your own performance. And yes, we're at home. And if our home form's good, between now and the end of the season, that will go a long way to getting us where we want to be. I think we're, we've got two more home games than away, than away games in the last set of fixtures. And, and we need to make it a really positive environment for the players to play in. Often a Friday night game under the lights, um, Ashton Gate is a good vibe and a good atmosphere. And our fans are going to be so important in, in driving us over the line. Finally then, Lee, this week marks the fourth anniversary of your appointment at the club. You made just shy of 200 appearances for as a player and, of course, whom your dad has also managed. Uh, you must be allowing yourself the odd daydream about how it would feel to take them into the top flight for the first time since before you were born. <laughs> that's certainly the dream and that's what we're working extremely hard for. We've got ourselves into a position where we go into these last round of fixtures with an opportunity to do that. But like I say, we have to get that process right. And uh, we have to make sure that on the training pitch, when it's freezing cold and the rain's coming in at Phelan, that we're concentrated and focused. And hopefully those training performances then transcend into the match day. And uh, we get that little bit of luck and uh, a little bit of quality in front of goal, then uh, that could be the difference. So, yeah, we're fighting on all fronts, which is important. Our squad um, appears strong in terms of the new signings that we've made. Hopefully a couple of injuries to come back soon and um, and, and a lot of competition for, for places, which should leave us competitive at least and uh, believing in ourselves that we can go and get enough wins to see us through. Lee Johnson, Bristol City manager there. His team's next four games are Derby, Leeds, West Brom and Huddersfield. So tricky. As for Birmingham, they've got Barnsley, Brentford, Wednesday and Millwall. Uh, We'll also have a look ahead to Forest against Leeds at Saturday tea time. The battle of the bottlers from last week. Harsh, bitter. That's me. Uh, Sam Forest will be kicking themselves after what happened last weekend. That Lewis Graben penalty miss felt like a big moment in the season. What's uh, stylish Sabri going to be plotting to help them get back on the horse here? Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this the fixture when Forest managers get normally get sacked after? Uh, yeah, certainly. Uh, why can't I remember his name? Is it Karanka? Uh, and Billy Davis? Uh, oh, I don't know if it's those two. I was thinking no. of Sean O'Driscoll. Sean O'Driscoll oh, did after it? we beat them 4-2 okay. on Boxing Day okay. um, a few years back. But yeah, don't say that. <laughs> uh, it's not going to happen this year. Yeah, I think you're right to highlight uh, Lewis Graben's poorest performance, maybe, of the season, certainly in front of goal. And defensively, we, we know how wonderful they've been. I saw this morning, 10 of the 13 wins by a, a single goal margin this season. So that's what they do. Uh, and also, possession-wise, they've only won one game this season where they've had more possession than the opposition, 57% against Luton Town. So they're happy not having the ball. They're not going to have more of it against Leeds. They're not going to have more of the ball against uh, Leeds United. So that may suit them at the weekend. Leeds, obviously, nine games without a clean sheet for them now. Only one, two in the nine. Um, I think a draw 
is probably a decent shout for this game. But I think Forrest, going into the, the run-in, will be feeling better about their attacking options, certainly with the two that they've added or Tyler Walker coming back in to, to supplement Graben and the, the new signing, Nuno da Costa. So I still feel there's a bit of creativity missing in the Forest lineup, And I know we talked them up after that victory a couple of weeks ago, but I still think if you're looking at the chasing pack and you're looking at the, the top two, I think there's more ability in the forward areas to create goals. And I think that the reliance on Graben and Lolly is too great for them to force their way into anything other than the playoff position. Well, they were hoping that they'd have that creativity from Joao Carvalho. Unfortunately, yeah. it's not really happened uh, for him so far. Sabri Lamushi is out of contract at the end of the season, by the way. He only got a one-year deal, so maybe try and sort that out, I would suggest. Um, just briefly, it was interesting, Clarky. We spoke to Michael Appleton last week, and he said, we're hoping to keep Tyler yeah, Walker. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it didn't happen, but they did get Liam Bridker. I wonder if that was a mm. bit of a sweetener to say, yeah, we're taking him. I but, think you know. so, yeah. I suspect so. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see if Tyler Walker gets any game time. It's a difficult game, this one, for, for Leeds, isn't it? I just... I look at them from set pieces and I think they're just awful. For, for, for a side with a coach as good as Bielsa, I just find it remarkable. I mean, 11 goals I think they've conceded from set plays, which which adds up to 40% of their goals conceded from corners and wide free kicks. It's basic, really. The goalkeeper, there's some great stats that I, I don't mind pinching from the Yorkshire Evening Post here on the keeper, who I haven't been very impressed with of late uh, before the game before the collapse against Cardiff he'd saved 82.5% of the shots made 4.7 saves per goal conceded since then his save percentage has gone down to 44.8% and he's making 0.76 saves per goal conceded so the keeper's bang out of form which is which is a concern and uh, and Forrester a big side who are pretty tasty dead ball situation so that, that's something to look out for uh, what about the other end of the pitch is, is Jean Kevin going to get his debut or will well, it be August and the stands well I would definitely have him in the squad I think just the lift that he will give the team the fans it's worth taking a punt punt on him I mean we'll be able to learn from his mistakes he wasted Eddie Nketiah absolutely wasted him by being so stubborn about the style of play that he needed but Bamford just misses so many chances, doesn't it? It's, it's crazy the amount he, he he squanders. I think give it give it a bash. Why 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 waste time? Do it here. Lift everybody in the way in. Give the team something fresh up top. Forrest won't be able to plan for it because it will it'll be a little bit different to what Bamford offers. And actually, stylistically, I, I would say that Augustin might might trouble the Forest defenders more than a more than a Bamford. So I'd go for it, but but I think we all know that. That's highly unlikely. He he played 45 minutes on mm. Monday in the uh, under-23s. Mm. And I think having Roberts back available at the, the weekend was probably what forced his hand mm. to give him a little bit more time. And that's the way he does things. They didn't lose that game against Wigan because he wasn't on the bench. I think that's quite an easy mm. thing for supporters to point towards. Mm. And he's not going to throw him in unless he's up to speed because we know that they're... Mm brand of football's been so successful and he's got a particular way of doing it so mm. they have to be patient but he's not going to get away with it if he continues to ignore him in two weeks he's, three weeks time he's got to use these new players as soon as possible got into, the only way they're going to learn about the Leeds way is by playing I mean, in my opinion at the weekend obviously I think they battered Wigan they were pretty unlucky I know it wasn't their best performance but but they created enough chances to win 
two or three games, yet he only brought on Tyler Roberts. That's the only sub he made. And that is, again, a sign of, of the lack of faith he has in anyone outside of his chosen 12 or 13. I think he's got to look beyond it. It's what he did last year, and, it, and, it, and, and I think it was a factor in them crumbling. Has he learned from his mistakes? It's a, it's a big question. We shall find out. Abby, let's go route one here and the odds William Hill are offering on those two games. Forest versus Leeds. First of all, what will you give me on a, on a win for my boys? I don't think you're going to like it. It's a 27 to 10 for Forest to win, but Leeds are 21 to 20, which makes them favourites. The draw, though, 5 to 2. And how about Lee Johnson's Bristol City getting five wins on the spin by beating Birmingham? By beating Birmingham, you'll get 11 to 10 for Bristol City to win and 5 to 2 for Birmingham, uh, which is the same as the odds on the draw in that one. Okay, Championship, we look forward to you making fools of us again this weekend. Right now, though, we're heading to League One. Get great offers every day with William Hill. Join today and get £30 in free bets when you bet £10 using the promo code C30. Whether you like great prices, free bets, or in-play scoreboards, William Hill has you covered. William Hill is who you play with. Promo code C30. New online customers only. Minimum £10 stake. Win only. Minimum odds 1-2. to two. Free bets paid as free £10 bets. 30-day expiry. Free bet payment method player and country restrictions apply. League One, there are 11 points between Rotherham in first and Burton in 11th after the weekend fixtures, which saw wins for the Millers, Posh and Cov, whilst Ipswich and Wickham lost. Pompey beat Sunderland in the 16th meeting between the teams in the last two seasons. Burgess and Bolton with the goals. Nice to see Bolton scoring. Oh, wait, they did score twice in a 2-0 victory over Tranmere. Just the 17 points from safety. Is it on? No. Southend were also shock winners as Sol's men defeated Lincoln 2-1. And Accrington have retired the number 29 shirt as a tribute to Billy Key. He scored 84 goals for Stanley and said farewell to the club and its supporters after retiring from football for mental health reasons. On Tuesday night, Doncaster moved to within three points of the playoffs, courtesy of a 3-0 win at Beleaguered Tranmere, who was six from safety. Let's do predictions then for League One promotion. Uh, Sam, who have you got? Rotherham, I think, good window for them. I mean, we're talking about windows. Um, Karoma coming in from Huddersfield and Curtis Tilt, who's been a bit off the boil this year at Blackpool, been linked with a move for for countless seasons now. Him going in there, I think, really strengthened them in a brilliant bit of form. Definitely Rotherham. Portsmouth, I think, again, in fantastic form, unbeaten still at home. unbeaten. Yeah, and, and they've beaten all the teams that around them in the playoffs at, at Fratton Park. They've got some good-looking fixtures to go, so I'm going to go for them. And then it is anyone's game. It, it honestly is. There's so many teams. I mean, Coventry and Oxford are still in with a good shout. Peterborough, of course, Ipswich. I'm going to go for Sunderland. I just think that form that they've shown in the last few weeks, another good good window for them. I think Scoan's going to be important and Wright as well coming in. So I'd fancy Sunderland maybe if they can get into the playoffs to do it at Wembley. Any events on Pompey, Rotherham, Sunderland? Well, it's, yeah, I mean, you could, yeah, uh, it's, it's, I could easily go along with that. I, I, was, I would back the Millers, Rotherham. I think that they're, they're looking really strong. I'm going to chuck in Coventry to finish potentially as runners-up in League One. They've got games in hand. I think they've got a very settled side, talented team. Got people scoring goals now. You've got Godden, you've got Biamu. Bakioko's chipping in and, and the guys behind them are, are quality. So yeah, Rotherham and Coventry for me. Playoffs could be the best playoffs 
we've ever seen in League One this season. I'm not I'm not exaggerating. We they're all good Wick, teams. We better say Wickham at they're this all point good before teams. we get abuse. <laughs> I know they're all good teams, aren't they? I mean, I'm not, we've not mentioned Wickham. We've not mentioned Ipswich, who have, have you know led the table for for a long period. Peterborough flying, but no, I'm I'm I'm, I'm Team Pompey here. So Rotherham, Com- Coventry, and Portsmouth to win the playoffs. I mean, relegation's a short conversation, really, isn't it? It's <laughs> Bolton and Southend gone we can assume unless something unbelievable happens and and Tranmere after last night Sam six points from safety getting more and more difficult to make a case for them to stay up isn't it I mean the stats are horrendous I haven't got loads of them in front of me but they've certainly led for the least amount of time in the in the division hardly been in front and the pitch is deteriorated alongside the the form as well I, I felt there was a period when I, last time I covered one of their games the front line was looking okay I thought Morgan Ferry was going to come in and have a huge impact, and he did initially, but he's not been able to maintain it. They've done a little bit of business. Peter Clark's come in, and um, Feeney on loan from Everton, who we saw recently in the, the, the PL2, but they look like they're tumbling like a stone, yeah, really. On the, on the stats, goal difference is always a good indicator. Uh, Bolton minus 33, Southend minus 38, Tranmere minus 23, AFC Wimbledon probably the next most likely, minus 8. I mean, I think that tells you plenty. So, yeah, those three are going to go. We're going to talk about Wimbledon next because they play Fleetwood this weekend. They're pretty grateful to Tranmere for their poor form. Uh, Adrian, Wimbledon not in great shape themselves. What what does Glyn Hodges need to do to to get a bit more from his team? You say they're not in great shape. I mean, they're playing okay. They beat Peterborough not so long ago, 1-0 on home turf. Um, I, I think they're... They're okay. They've dealt well with the loss of Marcus Force because that that could have been a, a devastating blow for them. But what's happened? They've, they've since uh, developed a new partnership up at the top end of the pitch, and I always like strike partnerships. I'm sure Sam does too. Too many teams play with that lone front man these days, but they've got Piggott and Pinnock up top at the moment, and they're both playing well, particularly. Piggott, who is actually a bit of a well, he's he's important to them not just because he's their main goal scorer, but he's also a player with experience. You look at the rest of the team behind him; they're really young, under a lot of under twenty three. So, um, so no, I think they're, they're looking good in the three five two. Joe Day, good signing in goal. That one I think will help them in in the coming weeks. And they're a little bit weak in the wide areas, Wimbledon. Probably don't put enough balls into the box. But but no, I think they'll just, just have enough to survive again, which is great. This isn't going to be a pretty game. This is the two teams that play the more long balls, actually, than anybody else in the division, Wimbledon and, and Fleetwood. So, so it might be in the air a fair bit, which might suit the Dons. Mm, what about Fleetwood then, Sam? Are you surprised to see them where they are? They're ninth, five points off the playoffs. Joey Barton reckons they're not far off being a team capable of challenging I guess we'll find out not only in this game but they've got Wickham Peterborough Portsmouth and Sunderland to come up so this is a key period of the season for them absolutely I totally agree what Joey Barton said I don't think they're far away I don't think they're going to get in the, the playoffs this season and this game at the weekend Wimbledon aren't particularly good at home and Fleetwood aren't particularly good away from home um, I'd fancy I'd fancy Fleetwood strongly if it was the other way round They've taken 30 points from the 15 home games that they've had uh, Fleetwood. 71% of their points uh, have come from home, just 12 points from the 12 away games. So it's been a bit of a struggle on the road. But Joey Barton's been speaking in the last few days about how defensively they've evolved. And if we think back, they were playing a 4-3-3, I think, start of the season. Very much a back three now, 3-5-2 or 3-4-3. Another 
couple of Everton loanees. Uh, Lewis Gibson, left-footed, playing on the left-hand side of the three. Callum Connolly on the right and, and Harry Souter as well they've got there. They've started keeping clean sheets. I would imagine Clint Hill's got something to do with that. Former teammate of Barton's and a, a really nice guy. Good defender. I'm sure that he has a lot of input in that regard. So they're evolving because they're playing better football. They've got younger defenders who can hold a higher line, which means that they're an aggressive pressing team now as well. And he's been able to move on a couple of the more elder statesmen in the squad, especially defensively. So absolutely see what he's trying to do, but they're just going to fall short this year in my mind. And in terms of this weekend, I would hedge my bets at maybe a one one <laughs> uh, I think the eye catcher of the weekend is Peterborough against Oxford two teams we've already spoken about a little bit but posh massive win at Ipswich at the oh. weekend 4-1 uh, any chance that they peak too soon <laughs> well you haven't got to worry about that I mean they've responded well to, to Darren McCantony's comments I mean it, since he said he'd, he'd step down if they don't make the playoffs they've won four games in a row against some some really strong teams we've spoken about their acquisitions we should also mention Sariki Dembele, I think, who's come in for Issa, who, who was having a bad patch of form. And, and Dembele's been sensational. Like, he's got great speed. He's running beyond the striker. He's running from deep. He's just injected more life into their attacks. With him and, and Smodix, they, they suddenly have a bit more about them in, inside the final third in terms of speed. And, and I think that that's... That, that's made a big difference and it, and it could do in this game. I mean, they're great to watch, aren't they, Peterborough? More open play goals than anyone else in the division. 42. Strength in depth on the bench now with Josh Knight and, and the aforementioned Issa. So, no, look, they won't have much of the ball against Oxford. I think they'll, they'll let Oxford come on to them and then they'll look to, to hurt them on the break. So, um, yeah, Posh, posh are in, in great great form bad time I think for Oxford to face them especially on the back of a taxing game against against Newcastle yeah probably not going to be nil-nil this Sam uh, <laughs> how much is, is extra time going to have taken out of Oxford and, and in fact generally they've, they've had a little bit of a slump of late they could do with a positive result here just to turn the, the mood around yeah I, d- I don't think the, the mood's too bad mm. I thought they'll be feeling great this morning I think the Oxford fans even in defeat two, two of the best three attacks in the division you'd expect goals even though it was only 1-0 earlier on in the season I'm going to disagree with Adrian a little bit about the impact maybe with Fosu and Baptiste departing 16 starts and 11 substitute appearances all that Baptiste's made in a, an Oxford shirt Fosu just one goal in his last 11 I don't think Baptiste I think from Carl Robinson's admission wouldn't get in his his best 11 his best midfield at the moment and um, yeah I'm, I'm not going to he didn't use the squad hugely last night, so it'll be a lot of the same players out there. But I just feel if they'd have lost Dickey or lost Brannigan, maybe even James Henry, that would have had a more negative effect on the actual outcome of this season uh, than losing the two chaps that have gone to Brentford. Of course, Dickey was in the away end last night anyway. Absolutely. I was just thinking, was he? I'm sure I like, he played well. No, um, it was that supporter's penis. Um, <laughs> so, Abby, the chaps have made their picks for promotion from League One. What are William Hill saying in that regard? William Hill are siding with Clarkey on this one as their three favourites are Rotherham, Portsmouth and Coventry. That's at 8-13, 11-10 and 6-5 respectively. You've then got Sunderland and Ipswich on the same odds as 2-1 to, to be promoted. 
This Wimbledon Fleetwood game that the chaps seem to think is going to be a draw, what price that? A draw is the same as a Wimbledon win, which is 12 to 5. And if you fancy Fleetwood to win, then that is 11 to 10. Peterborough versus Oxford. Peterborough versus Oxford. Again, the draw and the away side, that's Oxford, are 5 to 2. And for Peterborough to win, it's 21 to 20. League 2, I hope you're ready because we'll be calling upon your services after this brief interlude. Today's show is sponsored by The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site for real fans. Through in-depth coverage from local writers on every team, plus national writers you already know like Oliver Kay, David Ornstein, Amy Lawrence and others, The Athletic is setting a new standard for sports news. There are no ads, pop-ups or clickbait, just great sports writing that tells the story behind the story. Get exclusive player profiles, deep dives on analytics, team power rankings and fantasy sports insights you won't find anywhere else. They also do podcasts, including this great Chelsea one. You might recognise the host. It's called Straight Outta Cobham. Each subscriber gets a personalised feed of stories, live writer Q&As, podcasts and more. Just download the Athletic app, pick your favourite teams and the Athletic will begin surfacing all the latest on the players and storylines that matters to you. Ready to get started? To get 40% off a yearly subscription to the Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash league. That's theathletic.com slash league. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. League 2 headline, Swindon, Sam. Swindon, they toyed with supporters' hearts after Yates and Doyle left, but come the weekend, both were back with the addition of Hallam Hope, whilst the Ginger Pele returned to goal-scoring form as the Robins beat promotion rivals Exeter 2-1. You've always got a chance if you've got Hope, especially if he's not on his Owen. <laughs> Take that out. It's never been Owen Doyle's goal. I've seen it. Yeah, he claimed it. Meanwhile, Doyle's old club Bradford have fired and hired after their 3-0 loss to Oldham was the final straw for Gary Bowyer. And so, as is the theme of the season, Bradford have gone back to what they know and hired Stuart McCall for the third time. Oh, this is the best ever, ever. Yes, listener, of course, we've inserted the audio of that time he fell off a car roof. It's a contractual obligation. Uh, if you want more McCall, Nick Miller has written about it, slash him, and you can read that on the excellent totallyfootballshow.com. Who needs a manager, though? Cambridge, who sat Colin Calderwood last week, have yet to find a replacement, but it didn't matter as they put an end to Colchester's 16-match unbeaten run. All this means that Swindon extend their lead at the top, and there are 10 points between Crewe in second and Port Vale in 10th. At the bottom, Morecambe four points clear of Stevenage, who sit in the solitary relegation spot. Just thinking, Sam, are you concerned that Owen Doyle's going to match your Swindon goals record and that's why you're trying to pinch goals from him? Uh, I'm more, oh, I, I think you've hit on something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more concerned that none of these players seem to have particularly long contracts. That's more of a concern to me because I'd love nothing more for him to... Uh, surpass my, no, that's, my that's, tally. That's a lie. That's a lie. It's definitely that's not. That's a lie. <laughs> no, he's... That, that is a lie. It's a lie then. Um, <laughs> like Bobby Charlton with Wayne Rooney when he kept saying, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Wayne Rooney breaking my record. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't really know what to say, to be honest. He's, it's great. I'm re- thoroughly enjoying all Richie Wellens' work. Good. Well, uh, with all that said then, let's have your promoted sides from League Two. Swindon plus three. Yes, Swindon. And then I'm going to go for Crew, who sits second. And then I'll have to go for my former club, Exeter. And I'll go for Plymouth to, to go through the playoffs. And I remember Richie Wellen saying early part of the season, if you finish above Ryan Lowe's Plymouth, you will be promoted. He's, he's looking pretty bang on at the moment. Are you having the same four? Um, not the same four. They're all in, in my thinking. Definitely Swindon. 
Definitely Plymouth. My third automatic. I'm going with Cheltenham. They've got games in hand. Strong at the back. Settled system. Does some great work in the January window as well. Alfie May's come in and really supplemented their attack. They've got eight strikers at the moment, Cheltenham, um, vying for a place in the side, which which is really healthy. So those three to go up. And then Crew and Exeter are probably the best two sides in the playoff. I'll go with Crew. Uh, there's only one team to go down. Stevenage currently in that position. Morecambe four points ahead of them. Macclesfield and even Mansfield maybe not think they're entirely safe feel like maybe Morecambe have got enough in terms of they've got a, a decent manager for this level and, and Stevenage is, is looking pretty rotten for them. Just three wins all season. I think it's hard to completely write Stevenage off at this stage. I'd probably still just about plump for them over Morecambe. Obviously, Macclesfield, we don't know exactly what's going to transpire in the next few weeks and months, but their performances certainly suggest they'll get enough wins to pull themselves away from... Uh, relegation trouble I just think Graham Wesley might start picking up a few wins and I know they've only had that victory at Cambridge wasn't it 4-0 and then they've had a couple of really bad defeats but I think it'll be tight but I think Morecambe are going to be frantically looking over their shoulders mm, well yeah but personally I hope hope Stevenage don't go down I've played for them back in the day but yeah I can't I can't find any reason to suggest that Stevenage will survive given given their lack of of victories. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes there in terms of his training methods because obviously famously he asked the players to to put in long, long hours. And I just think that that, that works over a period of time and I don't know if it's, it's the, was the right change mid-season for Stevenage if indeed that they are training all day long. So um, yeah, unfortunately I'm, I'm going to have to tip them. The Stuart McCall appointment, it's, it's not particularly original thinking from Bradford, but it, it, is it enough to, to help them arrest this dreadful run that they've been on and, and the mood around the club, which is not good? I haven't seen them live, granted, but I think that's not a bad appointment. And I think the two signings, Novak and Guthrie, are pretty good. I like both players, really like Guthrie's all-round game. Novak's a very good lower league goal scorer. I think if he can go in there, he's not going to be able to completely reinvent the wheel and, and change exactly how they've been playing. But if he can make them less direct, get the supporters back on side, which will happen naturally, they've still got a great opportunity of getting in the playoffs. So I don't see this as Bradford being in, in a desperate state at the moment. Gary Bowyer was coming under increasing pressure. The supporters weren't happy. It's a positive change. They've got a great home record. Expect, expect them to, to win this weekend and definitely have a chance of the playoffs. Yeah, they've got a sniff, no doubt about it. Yeah, popular appointment. Actually, probably the right type of manager for now for Bradford because what I... The, the feeling I was getting watching bits and pieces of, of Bradford was that the morale was really low. You saw players arguing with each other. I always... I don't know if you do this. I whenever I see the goals, I often... My eye is drawn towards players, goalkeepers, defenders digging each other out and... Often, some people will say oh, that's a good thing, but but if it keeps happening, I think it's a really really bad thing where people are just trying to blame one another, and that's what I was seeing with with Bradford. The selections were erratic. Bowie was sort of matching up opposition teams with the system. He wasn't. He was being quite cautious. So so now I think this is a breath of fresh air. McCall's a good people person. The fans love him, and I'm sure the players will take to him. So it could be just the pick me up they need. Okay, Scunthorpe, Cheltenham. We've we've already spoken a bit about Cheltenham, but Scunthorpe 
have also changed manager. This was uh, shortly after we recorded last week. They sacked Paul Hurst. Chairman Peter Swan put a lengthy statement on the club website, which included the following. Eight months down the line, you're on a path and you begin to realise that you're quite wide apart in your thoughts about the club going forward. We've always had an idea of where we need to be and what we plan to do this year. And that was where we were going, but we just haven't managed to do it. Uh, bells ringing all over the place for failed relationships for me there. Is that, a, were they right to ditch him? It, sort of see both sides of the argument with this one, I think. Yeah. Nobody knows how Paul Hurst has been during these conversations or how he reacted to the news that he's going to have to lose players, Novak, Lund, uh, and look towards his under-23 players for the remainder of the season. It's a big budget, so you have sympathy maybe with the, the, the owner's plight. But, yeah, I can understand that why they've wanted to go their separate ways. Russ Wilcox, you would think, I don't know about you, Adrian, would be a safe pair of hands to take them to the to the summer, try and integrate some of these under-23 players. already done that. John McAtee and Jacob Beddo involved in the in the last few weeks. But what they need to do on the pitch is arrest a real bad slump defensively. Um, one clean sheet in 11 uh, joint third worst, worst defence in the league. They conceded two goals or more in the last six games. Mm-hmm. And at Crawley at the weekend, they were 3-0 down, two set pieces, gave themselves an absolute mountain to climb, even though they were improved after the break. So I don't think going forwards their issue. I think big defensive issues, but their cushion is is great, is, is too big to get themselves into any kind of danger this season. Yeah, they're, they're weaker now than they were, but they'll still just about have enough, I think, to survive. I, I would fancy Cheltenham in this game. Just a, w- a word, that it wasn't just Alfie May that Cheltenham brought in. I think Tom Nichols from Bristol Rovers, even though you look at him, his stats, they're not very good at Bristol Rovers in terms of scoring. But I think he makes players around him better. He's a really hard-working, industrious striker and Adrian best finisher yeah. at Exeter the was year it? I was there yeah. so By maybe a it was considerable just, distance yeah. so so he can finish it's just maybe a confidence issue where he, where he was at Bristol Rovers doing the donkey work for for Clark Harris around him I don't know but I think you'd, I think you'd do all right there at league 2 and him and him and Alfie May might just uh, propel them into the automatics so we've got two clubs looking for new managers in League Two in Cambridge and Scunthorpe. Whereabouts is Jan Sievert in the betting for both of those? <laughs> uh, he doesn't actually appear in either of them, but Dion Dublin does appear in the Cambridge one at 33-1, to 1, which I found a bit weird. But if you fancied Kevin Nolan for your Cambridge manager, he's 5-1, to 1, but the favourite actually is Simon Rusk. As for Scunthorpe, Kevin Nolan is 6-1, to 1, so you're better for Cambridge there. But Russ Wilcox is the favourite at 4-7, to 7, odds on. Simon Rusk takes the biscuits for the Cambridge job, it would seem. Rusks are a kind of children's biscuit. Oh, I don't have children, so I don't know that one. <laughs> I mean, uh, the reason I said it was they're an 80s children's biscuit. So I'm definitely not an 80s child. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, Sorry. Sexy. Uh, the games in League 2 that we've been talking about, managerless Scunthorpe versus masterful Cheltenham. What's the away win here? The away win is nineteen to ten for Cheltenham. It's a draw at nine to four, and if you fancy Scunthorpe, it's twenty nine to twenty. Bradford v Grimsey. What will you give me on Stuart McCall falling off a car? <laughs> uh, that, there's no point in betting on that. Uh, it's a It'll happen. Odds uh, on, yeah. Uh, Bradford uh, are twenty one to twenty. Grimsby twenty nine to ten, and the draw is eleven to five. Lovely stuff. In a twist on the what are the guys up to this weekend section, usually the death knell for the show, uh, I'm going to tell you what I'm up to this weekend and seek some counsel. 
Sam, I'm going to a spa for the first time. You're a big fan. You're a oh. veteran of them. How can I get the most out of it? I have the spa lunch. I love a spa lunch. Smoked salmon, all those little wraps, all the things that aren't necessarily particularly healthy, so you shouldn't probably shove it in. Uh, have a treatment. Don't talk to your masseuse or if you're having a facial, just embrace the experience, close your eyes and have a little nap because I've made the error of uh, asking the masseuse about her life and coming out and knowing every detail about them. Abby says, don't fart. The other thing I'm not <laughs> going to do, Clarky, is take my gym kit because I don't oh, want no. to do any exercise. Oh, no, absolutely not. No, look, if you can push the boat out and have, have two, two treatments, do it. See, I'd, I would go to that. the gym. No, I, no, for sure. Not the first day. The second day, I probably would get up early. You... You you enjoy the the spa experience. It's only a one night stay, is it? Yeah, I think enjoy the pool. Yeah, as well. it, make yeah. the most of the pool area, j- jacuzzi, that kind of thing. Just just embrace it. Just are chill. You, are you eating in the in house restaurant, or are you going to go to a local pub in the evening? Oh, in house. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And not planning on talking to my wife for the majority <laughs> of it. Um, that was interesting, wasn't it? I'll let you know how I get on. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I'll be I'll be live tweeting throughout. I definitely definitely won't. At the Totally Show for more advice on all that kind of thing. Thanks for joining us today. We'll catch up with you again soon. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. of the Totally Scottish Football Show and if you like football you're gonna love Scottish football it's not all just Stevie G and Scott Brown up here no because we talk about all of the Scottish football and geez oh it's great there's actually a title race this year in the Premiership Stevie G will be hoping not to slip up again Hearts are tearing each other a new one Motherwell are doing well well they're doing well so if you like your football to be competitive have a title race and a ton of drama off and on the pitch the totally scottish football show is most definitely for you grab scottish football by the boys just like ryan christie did and listen to the totally scottish football show available everywhere even in england muddy knees media